a little while. <laughs> no. Don't let that man fool you. He did a great, fantastic job, too. Uh, so it was definitely the Lord knew what he was doing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Judges, the book of Judges. We're going to be in chapter 7. We've been doing a series of sermons called uh, The Fruit of the Spirit, and we've been talking about these over the last few weeks, and today we land on this uh, fruit called faithfulness. It's interesting because as we were setting uh, back doing our, if you don't know, every Sunday morning starting at 9.30, we do a, uh, a Sunday school class, and we've been doing uh, the Sunday school class on the disciples and as we are sitting in there, and uh, Pastor Chaz was teaching this lesson, this thought of faithfulness came across my mind, because I was obviously fresh in my mind, because I'm going to be preaching about it. But there's something that he said about, uh, we were studying today, Nathaniel, and uh, Nathaniel is not found very often in Scripture. Uh, but one of the things that we know about Nathaniel is that he was a very faithful person. And he had faith even before Jesus came to him and called him to be a disciple, which is, is uh, an amazing thing. But as I was thinking about this, and then uh, we came out here, and, and lo and behold, uh, one of my favorite songs that Christy sings, uh, You Are a Faithful God. Christy did a wonderful job of singing that again. And, and uh, I love that song, and I was thinking about that, and, I, and it just all kind of goes together with the message that God wants me and asked me to share with you today. This message on faithfulness, and we start in this uh, weird place. We're going to read this story of Gideon, and we're going to talk about faithfulness. But before we do, let's pause and ask the Lord to be with us and to uh, just be here and to guide us and strengthen us, give us the wisdom to understand what he would want to say to us today. So will you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for what you're doing in this midst, in our midst. Father, it is such a wonderful, you are such a wonderful God. You're such a loving God that loves us more than we deserve, more than what we could even fathom. You have been faithful. You are truly a faithful God. And Lord, I pray today that as we go over these scriptures, that we learn to be faithful like you are faithful. Lord, you're calling us, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness that we're going over today, as you know and Lord, we, uh, you call us to be faithful to you. And so we ask you, Lord, today, help us to understand what it means to be faithful. What it means for us to have a faithfulness fruit grow out of our lives. Lord, I pray that these words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words, Father. And that you would remove any of the hindrances and stumbling blocks from us today. That we can understand the message clearly that you would have to speak to us. Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start with, uh, let's read Judges 7 and then we'll jump right in. Uh, Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Then Drubal, that is Gideon, and all of the people who were with him rose early and he camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. 
The Lord said to Gideon, these people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into, your, into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore, pro- now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water. I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to, to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set himself likewise, everyone kneels down to drink. Now, I want to pause there for a moment because I find this really funny. Could you imagine walking down to a river to drink? And instead, I mean, my first natural instinct is to take my hand and go like this, right? These men who are thirsty go down on all, (laughs) I'm going to drink the water right out of the river. That's funny to me. I mean, I, I, find, I find the Lord's word a little bit funny sometimes when you read stories like this. Could you imagine? I mean, they must have been really thirsty or maybe they, were, maybe they were out in the desert for a little too long and the sun had baked their minds a little bit. Or I don't know what's going on there, but for some reason these men lean down to drink and lap as a dog would drink. Let's move on. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. So now let me, let me just stop there again for a moment. 10,000 men go down to the river, right? Now, Christy, help me out with the math here, okay? 9,700. Am I right, Christy? Okay, I think I can do this math, right? 9,700 of these men lean down and take their hand and they drink the water this way. 300 of them dive right in. They're, they're, they're thirsty. They're going right there. Now, God says something to Gideon, which I find really funny. He's like, take the men who lapped in the water and we will go and defeat the Midianites. Now, all of this is a wonderful story, right? Let's, let's finish this story up, and then, we'll, then I'll jump into here. It says, And so the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man, to his tent, but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now, i got to just ask you a question for a moment. Do you understand that they're started here with how many people? 32,000 people started, right? 32,000 fighting men are here to fight the Midianites. Now, if you read through your scripture, you'll find out that out of the 32,000, these 32,000 people who were ready to go to war were going to war against an army of the Midianites that numbered somewhere close to 128,000. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm leading an army of people... That's against an army of people. That's 128,000. I want a little bit more than just 32,000. 
If I'm the general, if I'm the, the man in charge, and I have to stand up and I have to say, okay, we're going to go and we're going to overthrow these people. There's 128,000 people. Let's go. Where's the rest of 100,000 people that I need? Wait, I only have 32,000? Okay, this is going to be tough, but I believe in the people I have. I believe in the men that are with me. Let's go. Let's take all these 32,000. Let's go. Come on. But God doesn't stop there. God comes to, uh, comes to Gideon and he says to Gideon, there are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Wait, God, you're, what? Wait, we're outnumbered four to one and you're telling me that I still don't have enough. That means every man that I have right now, these 32,000, has to go and overthrow at least four people for us to be successful. And you're telling me I have too many people? Are you nuts, God? But the Lord tells Gideon to go into his army and send home those that are afraid. Twenty-two thousand of those men that were there found themselves fearful. Isn't this just like the faith? Isn't this just like church? Isn't this just like doing ministry? There's so many, everyone, every Christian in America, every Christian in the world is called to go out and share the disciples, share and make disciples of all men. Are you, are you with me? Can you say amen? Okay, so if you're with me and you know your scripture, you know that Jesus called every single one of you in this room and called every single person who becomes a Christian to go and make disciples of all men, teaching them to obey the rules that he has set forth, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to, commi- uh, and to, teach them to obey him. Yet, why is it that today we find... In most churches, one, maybe two people are actively sharing their faith with people of this world. Why is it that when we find us that most the, the answer to most questions are, take them to the pastor. Now listen, I love to meet your friends. I love to meet your family. I want to pray for them. I want to have a relationship with them. I have no problem doing that. But ultimately, if you're a Christian... You are called to do these things. You're called to go before these people, to make disciples, to share your faith, to reach out to people, to evangelize, to, to, to love on them, to share with them the gospel message that Christ has given to you. So before we fall upon these 22,000 and we say, how can you be so afraid? Wait, there are a lot of afraid people in the church today. That actually, if I stood up and said, in order to come to this church, you have to, go and share the, you, you have to go and share your faith with someone. That's the only way that you can come here on Sunday morning. How many people would actually be here? That's a great question to ask, right? Now, we don't make that because we want you to be here. We want to encourage you. We want to lift you up. We want to teach you. We want to be with you. We want to commune with you. We want to celebrate with you. But the truth of the matter is that the 22,000 people that represented this in Gideon's army that left because they're afraid are very much like many people that are in churches today. They are afraid. So then we have 10,000 remaining. So 10,000 go down to the water to drink. Where are the 300 people in the church? Where are the few people in the church right now that will get down on their hands and knees and drink the water out of the creek? I don't know that I would be looking for them, but God was looking for them. 
So God pairs this down. Now, I bring this story up and we talk about this in terms of faithfulness because all of this is happening before Gideon has to go against and to defeat the Midianites. Gideon's faithfulness to God is being tested. Gideon was the leader of the army. He's going to lead his people against the Midianites. And so he's going down and he has, has 32,000 people. God pairs it down to 22. He takes 22,000, pairs it down to 10,000. And then he takes the 10,000 and he pairs it down to 300. Gideon had a choice. He could have been faithful in the battle. Or he could have been faithful in running away. Do you think Gideon at that time, and he's looking, he's like, God, we only have 300 people, and you're asking us to go against 128,000. This is ridiculous. We're going to be slaughtered. Just think how many times, I mean, in battle after battle, whether it's the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, you go to World War I, World War II, most battles are won because the enemy or the person you're fighting against comes around and flanks around on both sides of you. They completely surround you and they cut you off. They cut you off from supplies, they cut you off from everything, and then they can slowly come in and they can eventually eliminate you completely. 128,000 people can encamp around 300s, not once, not twice, but somewhere around five times. Five times. They were there. Gideon had to have been nervous, Gideon had to have been fearful, Gideon had to have all of these things in his mind. But yet God is calling him to be faithful to this message. I love this story, faithful, faithfulness of Gideon. I love this story because Gideon is faithful to God even though God removes the majority of his army, the army that he has been called to do. Gideon does something even further though. I'm sorry, Gideon uh, in this story, if you read through the rest of the story of Gideon, we find that Gideon is fearful and, he, and God says, if you're afraid, go down, to the, go down to your enemy. Go down to the camp. And when you're there in the camp, listen and hear and spy upon the people. And so Gideon actually goes down to the camp and as he's there in the camp and he's listening, he hears someone of the enemy saying, prophesying us a, a dream. He had a dream. And the dream was that this cake would fall over and, and the tent would fall upon the cake. And, and Gideon listens to this. And as he's listening to this, he realizes the, the gentleman, the enemy that Gideon is about ready to fight, tells him, we are surely going to be handed over to the hands of Gideon. Gideon was given the opportunity to grow in his faithfulness. And all of this is a wonderful story and all of these are wonderful things. But nothing has been accomplished yet. Gideon has just heard the the, uh, prophecy given to him that he's going to succeed. Yet he has not yet thrown one battle. He has not gone into, he has not thrown one sword. He has not gone into battle. He has not done anything. And yet Gideon takes his 300 men and goes against 128,000 and destroys them. See, faithfulness has something to do with us being faithful to God. God has been faithful to us since the very beginning of days. Since the very beginning of Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve was created and God created them, he was faithful to them. Adam and Eve, God gave Adam and Eve everything they needed. He gave them a beautiful garden, all of these things. Since the very beginning, God has been faithful to Adam and Eve and he's been faithful to you and I. 
It's not a question of whether God is faithful. It's a question of whether we are faithful to God. That's the question that's being asked. This is why Paul, when he talks about a fruit of the Spirit, he's saying, how can he wants us to grow this faithfulness inside of us. And that question of how we can be faithful to God has to be ringing in our minds, has to be ringing in our ears. We have to hear this. How can we be faithful to God? See, it's easy to be faithful to God when all things are going well. It's easy to be faithful to God when the doctor's reports are wonderful. It's easy to be faithful to God when you have money in the bank. It's easy to be faithful to God when all things align. It's difficult to be faithful to God when the doctor comes back and says, I have some really bad news to talk to you about. It's hard to be faithful to God and faithful to anything when we find ourselves in the middle of a battle when we're 300 people supposed to be facing 128,000. That's when faithfulness is really tested. That's when faithfulness has really grown. Faithfulness isn't grown as much on the mountaintops as much as it is in the valley. There's a wonderful poem that my, uh, it's in the valleys that I grow. It's not on the mountaintops that I grow, but it's in the valleys. On the mountaintops are wonderful. I can see across the valleys. I can see everything is beautiful, but it's in the valleys where I grow. The truth of the matter is, is when we're in the valleys That is when our faithfulness to God has to grow. I had a good friend that went on a missions trip many years ago, and he says to me, he gets to Africa, and when he's there in Africa, he sees some amazing things. Things that you would not understand today, things that, uh, medical things that legs just, I I mean, just healing of uh, people. He saw just amazing things, witch doctors that were coming uh, coming to know the Lord because it just, uh, just amazing things that were going on. And so I had a conversation with him when he returned, and I said, I said, why do you think that this happens so frequently in Africa? And why do you think this so frequently happens in third world countries like El Salvador and other places? And why does it not happen here in the United States? And he told me, he goes, because we are faithful to many other things other than God. We learn to be faithful to our bank accounts. We learn to be faithful to our jobs. We learn to be faithful to our, our own strength. We learn to be faithful on ourselves that I can accomplish these things. When you're in the midst of a third world country and you have nothing else, nowhere else to look and you only can look up, that is why we find faithfulness growing in those places at a much higher rate than we see here in a country where we have everything that we need. Faithfulness is required from us not only in the battle, but if faithfulness is required to us at all times, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, God is calling you and I to be faithful to him. I love uh, Hebrews chapter 11. The whole entire chapter is an amazing chapter. We're going to read a couple verses from this, but starting in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34, it says, And what more shall I say, for time would fail me, to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness because mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. What the writer of Hebrews is trying to proceed to us, trying to give to us, is that it is during those times when things seem impossible that the faithfulness of God will grow up inside of us. Could you imagine being thrown into a lion's den and said, good luck. (laughs) Uh, At this moment in time, I don't need luck. I either need a huge 
cow that I can feed to these lions, or I need God to come and rescue me. What did God do for Daniel? He came in and he rescued him. He stopped the mouth of the lions. This story in Hebrews, this very small uh, portion, talks about Gideon and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all of the prophets and goes on and on and on. And he talks about all of these things. But what he's getting at is that their faith was strong, that they would overcome all of these things. They overcome all of these small pieces and parts and things that were seemed insignificant, led to something much larger, these issues that were in their life. See, today you and I are going through issues in our lives, but they may be small compared to be thrown into a lion's den. But do you have a faith to overcome these small issues? Do you have a faith to overcome these small things, these small hiccups in our life that we are? Because that is where we are going to grow so that we can then be seen to do larger things. God is not going to throw you into the midst of a lion's den if you don't have the faith to overcome the common cold. Let's be truthful about this now. God wants you to learn to have faithfulness that he's going to overthrow all of these things, that he is there for you, that he's going to provide for you. I believe too often here in the States we miss out these wonderful opportunities for us to grow in our faith because we answer these questions out of our own power. We answer our own issues out of our own. Instead of, listen, when you have a headache, instead of first grabbing the bottle of Tylenol, the bottle of Advil, which I absolutely not saying not to do, God gave us those things for a reason. I won't answer that call in the middle of church. <laughs> All of these things are opportunities for you and I to grow in our faith. These little issues that come up in our lives, if we would just pause for a moment and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, heal me of my headache. Lord, heal me of these things. And give him an opportunity. Sometimes he will do those things. Sometimes we have to take Advil. Sometimes God blesses us with those things. Sometimes we need even further opportunities. But it's, an, it's a process of faith that God is calling you and I to live in. All of these men that Hebrews chapter 11 talks about grew in their faith because they faced, they had actionable items. See, the problem I also find with many Christians in America today including myself, I'll throw myself into, this, into, this, uh, into the mix here as well too, is that we are faithful in our words. We are faithful, faith, we're faithful, we're faithful in our thoughts. We're faithful in our thoughts. But are we faithful in our actions? See, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, we can be faithful to God in our words. But scripture calls us to be faithful not only in our words, but in our deeds and our actions as well. He calls us to be faithful in all of these things. And so my question to you today is how are you living out your faith in the action of your life today? A few weeks ago, I gave $5 bills out to everyone that was here at church. If you weren't here, sorry, you missed out on five bucks. But and I asked you to go out and do kindness evangelism, and I pray that you did, Dad, and I pray that you had an opportunity to share a kindness moment with those around you. My wife told me just this morning on the way, she goes, did I tell you? And I'm like, no, you didn't. She told me 
about a moment in time where she was able to help someone at Mark's. A young lady that she met with didn't have, or that was in line in front of her didn't have enough money for her groceries. And so my wife was able to help her and pay for her groceries, what she could not buy at the store. Those little action, actionable deeds, those little things that we do, are our faithfulness in our action coming out. You cannot be faithful to God and set on your behind and not do anything at all. You cannot be faithful to God and say, I believe in God, but that's all I'm going to do. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to pray. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I'm going to be faithful to God, and that's all it is. No, you do need to do all of those things. See, faithfulness is an actionable verb. It's something that is portrayed. It's something that comes out of you. It's only developed by putting yourself in situations where you have to be faithful to something. If you're not faithful to God, then you're faithful to something else. Is the honest truth. If you're not faithful to God in every situation in your life, if you're not giving him an opportunity to live in your life, then what are you faithful to? Faithfulness is an action. It's, uh, and what God calls us to do is to be faithful in our actions and everything that we do. Sometimes we are not faithful to our spouse, our kids, our jobs, because we have not learned what it means to be faithful. Faithfulness in this world is an element that is not taught. In this world that we live in today, faithfulness is whatever makes you feel okay. Jay. Does it make you feel okay? If it makes you feel okay, it's good for you. Go ahead and do it. No, God is calling us to be faithful to him regardless of how it makes us feel. God is calling us to be faithful regardless of what the response is. God is calling us to be faithful. Listen, Jay gets up here every Sunday and talks a wonderful message about tithing and and giving. Let's be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Giving money to anybody is not easy and it's not fun. Some of us are born givers, and that's wonderful, but most of us like to spend our own money. But the truth of the matter is, God calls us to be faithful in our tithing and offerings to God because it builds faithfulness in Him. When we faithfully give to Him what we would like to hang on to, what God is doing is allowing you to have faith that the money that you're giving to Him will not only be replaced, and you'll be blessed with more, but also that it's an act of faithfulness to God that is saying, I'm going to follow you, Lord, and so here I give what I have. But it's not just money. It's the words that you speak. It's the actions that you do. We are, too many of us are called, all of us, if we believe, what, if we believe in Scripture and we believe what this wonderful book says to us, then every single one of us on this, in this room, watching online, whatever church you go to, wherever you're at, whatever country you're born into, You have a job to do. You have an actionable item to go and share your faith with people around you. That is your your calling. That is your commission, if you will, that God has given to us. And so therefore, our faithfulness to God is when we follow his scripture and we live that out in our life. And sometimes God puts us in situations like he put Gideon where our faithfulness requires a lot. Because we're of one of 300 against 128,000. I love this story, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. 
and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son. Now let me pause for a moment and I'll fill in the details that Hebrew does not do here. We could go back to Deuteronomy, we could go back to uh, Genesis and read this story, but the reality of this, the reality of what's going on here is that Abraham has been called the father of many nations. He currently, before his son is born, before Isaac is born, he's given this promise from God himself that he is going to be the father of many nations and that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars. There's a period of time after this that Abraham does not have a child. He's old. His wife is old. Beyond childbearing age. And then a wonderful thing happens. After a few years of Abraham trying to make it on his own, of course, trying to make this, this prophecy come true, God blesses his wife Sarah with a child. This child is old enough to comprehend what's going on, and so we have to imagine this child is at least five, six, seven, maybe eight years old. And God comes down to Abraham and says, I want you to go and I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice to me. So Abraham doesn't pause. He doesn't stop. He doesn't go, God, you're crazy. I'm not going to offer it. He, he, this is how I'm going to have the descendants that are as numerous as the stars right here. You've blessed me with this, this child. Yet God calls him and Abraham follows. And by faith, Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice to God. But in the midst of doing all of this, God comes and offers a other sacrifice and tells Abraham not to do this. Sometimes faithfulness will go beyond our abilities to see or perceive how this is going to be resolved. Sometimes our faith to God requires us, our faithfulness requires us to stop thinking in our own mind and just believe what God has said. To believe in that God is good. That Jesus actually did die on a cross for you. That he actually did shed blood for you. That he actually did pay the penalty for your sins. And so therefore you can have faith to move forward. Faith is the belief in things unseen Faith is having an understanding of that God. Yes, one of the questions I get all the time is, is God really real? I mean, I never hear him, I never see him, I never feel him, I never go. That's called faithfulness. Allow faithfulness to bubble up, and the more faith that you have, the more that you begin to see God working in and through your faith, the more you'll understand, the more you'll believe, the more that you'll feel, the more that you'll know that God is actually real and that he's everywhere. And that he wants to bless you. And he wants to bless me. But it requires our faithfulness. It requires us to go beyond. Today in the world we live in, faithfulness is not a word. We, we give up. I mean, back when I was, back when I went to school, I walked school up, hail in the snow all day. No. Yeah. Barefoot, right. We walked to school barefoot. Had some chew in our mouth and we went to school. No, I'm kidding. feel like I'm an old man. Mark, help me. I feel like I'm getting old. I am old. I know, Mark. Don't tell me. You don't have to tell me. I know I am. But 
The truth of the matter is, though, is that, listen, years ago, how many of you have individuals in your family that worked in a company 10, 15, 30, 40 years? I mean, I do. My father retired from Chrysler, worked 30 years at a company. Today, the average length of, a, uh, of an employee staying at a company, do you know what it is? How many? Two years. It's like 2.3 years. So two years, three months. is the average length of time that an employee stays. You know, I had this conversation with my son uh, about a month ago when he was here, and I, and I told him, I said, he was talking about his job and, and, and how it's going and those types of things. And I said, well, I said, you know, you, you just get in your mind to think about you're going to stay there for, you know, three, four, five years, get some experience. And he looked at me, he goes, Dad, things aren't the same way they were back when you were, back in the Stone Age, Dad, they did things a little differently than what they do now. And he goes, if I stay at my job for a year, I'm good. And I said, a year? It's crazy, because, but that tells you exactly, that's, a, that's an image, that's a, a representation of what faithfulness is in the world today. Faithfulness to our jobs, faithfulness to the things that we're in. Now listen, I'm not telling you not to go, and if you have a better opportunity, uh, go, <laughs> do it. I'm not telling you not to do it, right? If you've got a better opportunity, do it. But what I'm saying is that that's just a model of the faithfulness in our world today. The average family, the average person is no longer faithful. There's, there's, uh, again, we could, we could look at this not only in jobs, we could look at this in terms of church. The average person who goes to church today is a, uh, stays roughly about two years in a church before they go somewhere else. It's interesting to me, and, and I'm glad that many of you here today have been here longer than two years, and if, you, if you're watching online or you're here and it's your first week or first year or first month, whatever it is, welcome. I hope you're here for the lifetime because we want to build family. We want to build friendships. We want to be family with you. We want to walk beside you. But the idea of faithfulness in our world is not there any longer. This idea of sticking through the hard times, sticking through the times when things don't go easy, the idea of lasting things out. We used to do this in our families. Divorce is higher, at a higher rate than it ever has been. In fact, the only reason why divorce is actually going to start going down, they believe, is because marriages are now no longer, you're no longer being married. The number of people being married has has dropped significantly in the last three years, four years. When, when people ask why you're not getting married, well, first of all, I don't need to be married, but I don't know that I really want to be faithful to someone that long. That's the answer that someone gave to a New York Times article on marriage. Now, how would you like to bend their spouse or their girlfriend or boyfriend? <laughs> I don't know that I want to be faithful to him. Uh, okay. You go to a, a, a wedding today and, and they do, you know, a, a, a reception and in the middle of the reception they do this. If you've been married 30 years, stay out on the, on the dance floor. We're, my wife and I were at a wedding, uh, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. And we're out in this wedding and they start doing this. And we got down to the last two couples. We'd only been married 24 years. I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, 24 years is really not that long. It is in today's world. Faithfulness is a message that God talks about. It's completely against this world. This world is not faithful to anything anymore. They're only faithful to themselves. 
really, honestly, is what it is. But God calls us to be faithful even in the times when things are not going well. God called Abraham to be faithful to him even though he was asking him to offer up his son. And he says in verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking he did receive him back. It's interesting because Abraham thought that he could go and he could offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And what would God do? God would raise him up from the dead. That was Abraham's thinking in terms of offering his son Isaac. It had nothing to do with I'm going to go to the top of this mountain and God will provide. He was thinking in a completely different way. When has God blown your mind in your thinking because you thought in one direction God did something completely different out of faith? See, when we learn to be faithful, God is going to come through for us in ways that we can never imagine. Too many of us as Christians are looking for God to be faithful to us when we're not really faithful to him. God wants us to be faithful to him and he will indeed be faithful to us. He's been faithful to us since the very beginning, as I said already. God wants us to be faithful to him. Faithfulness isn't measured in what you know, it's in what you do with what you know. Faithfulness isn't measured in understanding that God is faithful. (laughs) Most people who come to church today can stand here and tell me, could stand up here on this altar and on the front of the stage and say, God is faithful and this is why God is faithful. God was faithful to Adam and Eve and he was faithful to Gideon and he was faithful to Abraham. Most, Most Christians who have been and read their scripture or read their Bible can recite many stories of faithfulness. But the question really is, is how has that faithfulness grown in you? What are you doing with God's faithfulness that he gives to you? How are you doing this? Are you, are, are, are you just taking what God gives to you and saying, thanks God for being faithful, but I don't know that I want to be so faithful to you. Don't ask me to go do something. Don't ask me to go talk to my neighbor. Don't ask me to uh, help this lady in front of me at the grocery store. Don't ask me to do these things because you know what? That's making me a little uncomfortable. God, I'd just rather talk about how faithful you are because you're such a loving God, but don't ask me to do anything because I'd rather just sit here. See, the problem that we have today, and I believe in our culture, is that we are, we are reaping the benefits of a faithful God without giving back any of that faithfulness to him. Faithfulness requires us to be measured and requires us to be in action. Abraham, the father of many nations, could have just set on the knowledge that God called him and told him that he was going to be the descendant of many people, many nations. But yet when God called him to sacrifice his son, he never hesitated. He never stopped. He walked up that mountain with his son in the wood Abraham had a faith that God was going to pull through no matter what God asked him to do. I love this, you know, oftentimes we hear people say, it's the thought that counts. I was going to buy you a new car, but it's the thought that counts. Sorry, Corey. (laughs) Wonderful message, right? Great. It is a, a thought Someone thinking positive thoughts is really nice. That is nice. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to faithfulness, when it comes to action, it's way more than just a thought. It's actually getting up and going to do something. 
If you have a thought of, of blessing your neighbor, get up and go bless your neighbor. If you're in the line to Dunkin' Donuts and you see pastor there and he needs a cup of coffee, pay for his coffee. Well, I don't drink coffee. Pay for my hot chocolate. No, I'm kidding. But honestly, pay, I, I, pay forward what God has given to you. Use the faithfulness that God has given to you to spread out to other people. Don't be afraid to go up and, and test your faith with the people around you and say, I'm going to share this message with them because I'm going to put myself in an uncomfortable place. I'm going to put myself in a place that only you can succeed in my life, God, because you are a faithful God, and I want to put myself out there. I want to walk out on the limb, so to speak. And I'm going to share the faith that God has given to me with others because that is what it is. It's not just the thought that counts when it comes to faithfulness. It's the actual deed of what you're doing. To have a thought of being faithful and have no action that follows along with that faithfulness means nothing. The kingdom of God did not grow by people having wonderful thoughts and not going out and actually doing something with those thoughts. The only way the kingdom of God grows is when we actively get up and go do the word of the Lord and what he calls us to do. There's a word that's thrown out oftentimes by people who look at the church and they call us hypocrites. And I think it's misused in many ways, but also in, in many ways it's true. In some ways, the Christian body of believers have received so much from God. They've received faithfulness beyond what we deserve. We've received the love and the grace that Jesus has given to us beyond anything that you and I deserve. We don't deserve this faithfulness. We don't deserve the grace that God gives to us. We don't deserve any of those things. But what hurts, and what I think grieves the heart of God is when we don't, in turn, Take that same grace that he gives to us, that same love that he offers to you and I, and give it to those around us. When we don't have the faith to go forward and say, I'm going to walk in my faith, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do, because I know he's going to come through for me. See, faithfulness to God is more than a thought. It's more than just this little thing that tickles inside of your head and says, oh, that'd be cool if I did that. No, it's actionable items. It's putting your walk with your talk. It's putting those thoughts to action. God gives us this wisdom and these ideas, not so that we set on them, so that we go forward with them. Too many people today, and I said this before, want God to be faithful to them without them being faithful to him. I think God today is calling those many people like Gideon to stand up in the eyes of man and look upon something and say, this is total disaster and we're going to lose, but I have the faith of God that he's going to pull me through.
God's calling us to be faithful when the doctor has given you those bad news. God's calling you to be faithful when times are hard. God's calling us to be faithful even when we get absolutely nothing out of it. God still calls you to be faithful. Today, God's faithfulness is available to us, but the question is, are you making his faithfulness that he's given to you available to those around you? Are you willing to go in action, not just words, not just in thoughts, but in word, deed, and action to share the faith of God? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. See, I think today, to overcome and to succeed, we need an army of people like Gideon who aren't afraid to stand up in the midst of all the trouble, to stand up in the midst of the world telling us it's impossible for us to stand up and say, no, it is possible to have the walk with the Lord. It is possible to succeed in all the things that he has given to you and I and to see him successful, to see him lifted high because he's going, listen, the truth of the matter is he's going to be faithful and he's going to be successful without any of us in this room. Too often I think we... Too often we view faithfulness to God as a benefit for him. Too often we believe our faith is all about believing in him, and and it is. But the wonderful thing about faith and the wonderful thing about faithfulness is that all of this, when we believe, when we have faith in him that overcomes any issues that we have in our life, when we have a faithfulness that doesn't care about the numbers that doesn't care about all of these things and we just go forward, we're going to press on no matter what. What happens is that God will move and do things in our lives. And the benefit from all of this is that we get a blessing out of this. Yes, God wants us to be faithful to him because he deserves us to be faithful to him. Yet, the wonderful thing that God does with all of our faith is he turns around and says, if you're faithful to me, you will receive the blessings of faithfulness back to you. But it requires you and I to stand up and say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm not just going to have wonderful deeds. I'm not just going to have wonderful thoughts. I'm sorry, I'm not going to have wonderful thoughts. But my deeds are going to line up with my thoughts. And I'm going to go forward. I'm going to exercise my faith. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to do the things that the Lord has called me to do. Why? Because I want to be faithful to him and the message that he's given to me. Today the Lord is looking for an army of people who are willing to go, who are willing to take that step and say, I want to be faithful. I want to follow him. I don't want to just sit behind and have good thoughts. No, I want, to, I want to go. I want to go forward. I want to have faith that grows, that bubbles up out of me. Do you realize that when Paul called this a fruit of the Spirit, the reason why it's a fruit of the Spirit is because, again, all this whole entire sermon series, what I've been telling you is that these fruits are not something that you can just grow on your own. You have to do something. God has to grow them inside of you. So how does faith grow inside of us? By us having faith in Him. And so when we begin to believe in Him, when we begin to have this little bit amount of faith, faith as a mustard seed, Scripture tells us, will move a mountain. So if you just have a, 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 a small little dot of faith, you, 
can do wonderful things. And then what happens out of that is that because we have had faith in that little mustard seed, God begins to bubble up inside of us and the fruit that grows out of us is even more faithfulness so we can see greater things. I've yet to met, meet one person that said, I don't want to do anything. I just want to just want to sit around. I don't care if God moves. No, we all want to see God move. But in order to see God move and do great things, you have to believe in him to do small things too. You have to start. You have to have a basis of that faith and then allow it to grow inside of you and allow that faith to build up inside of you. Will you stand with me, please? During, uh, I opened up my notes. I actually did take a note, by the way. Not reading a text or anything like that. Just want to let you know. During Bible uh, Sunday school this morning, I wrote, "Faithfulness starts with what you have faith in." So, what do you have faith in today? Do you have faith in yourself? Do you have faith in your bank account? Do you have faith in those things around you, or do you have faith in God? It starts with what you have faith in, and then it builds upon the things that you do based upon the faith. I can't get into all the details right now, but man, there are some amazing, wonderful things that are going to be happening here. It's not very long. It's not very far away. And some amazing things are going to be happening here, not only here at Camp Carl, but here in our church. But it starts with a little seed of faith. It starts with this little mustard seed of faith that says, I believe that God is good and he can do amazing things. When you pray for someone, do you believe that God can actually heal that person? When you pray for someone to get pregnant, do you believe that God can actually provide a baby in that that womb? (laughs) I do. I've seen it work many times. Paul says too many times. No, I'm kidding. When someone's sick, do you believe? See, I, I, my, call me crazy, but I believe that the reason why COVID is still a problem here in the world today and why it's a problem in our world today is because we as Christians have not taken a, a faithful stand to stand up and say, God, we believe that you can overcome this. How he overcomes it, I don't know. But we need to believe that God can overcome even COVID. He can overcome all of these things. All we have to do is stand up and believe and have an inkling of faith that says, I can do this. My grandmother used to wear around her neck every day of her life. She wore this little pendant that had a mustard seed in it. And every day that I was over at her house, she would tell me, do you have faith of a mustard seed? Yes, grandma, I have faith of a mustard seed. Do you know what a mustard seed can do? said, yeah, it can grow. She would remind me all the time, keep playing, Corey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go on, I didn't. The simple fact is that if we just believe, if we just have faith, if we just would change our thinking from worry to faith, if we would just stop thinking about, oh, I don't have the words to say or I can't do this and just go, God will provide the words and so therefore I'm gonna place myself into position to be used by God. 
Too many people are waiting for God to give them everything wrapped up in a nice little gift, a nice little bow. Here it is. Open it up and then you'll go use it. No, God didn't call you to do that. God called you to walk in faith. And as you walk in faith, he will give you the words that you need to say what you need to say. I can tell you that's true. Over and over and over again, I go and have conversations, I go into counseling sessions where I should not, where I think to myself, I don't know what I'm gonna say. What do I say to someone who's fighting with their wife? They wanna get a divorce, they're done, the marriage is over. What What am I supposed to say, Lord? He reminds me, I didn't ask you to believe whether that marriage could be saved or not. I believe I asked you to go in faith that I can take care of the situation. And so I do. I go into that situation and I go there believing that God is going to do something, do a miracle in that life. And you know what happens? Not always, but more often than not, something actually does happen. A miracle happens in that faith, in that life, in that, that, that seed of faith that you give. It just takes a little bit of faith to see a major thing happen. I believe we are on the precipice. That's a, that's a word for you to see, precipice. I believe that it just takes us to have a mustard seed of faith and God will do a miracle, will do amazing things in our lives. But you just have to have the faith. You just have to believe. And you gotta stop questioning whether that faith is real. It is real. And God just wants you to walk in it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. I thank you that you are faithful to us beyond our means, beyond what we deserve. Lord, you are faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. And Lord, today we stand before you and we apologize for that. We apologize for being unfaithful to you. We apologize to you for not being faithful in our actions. We apologize and we ask you to forgive us for not being faithful in going forth and sharing the gospel as you have called us to do. So Lord, come inside of us, forgive us and move us. Give us that mustard seed of faith that says that we can move mountains. Father, I know that in this room and watching online, there are people here that are mountain movers that will that have already overcome and will continue to overcome many things in their lives because of faith that you have inside of them. Father, I want to be like Abraham, that, don't, that, that just will have faith that you will handle the situation. I want to be like Gideon, and no matter what I face, I will have faith to overcome. Lord, I want to be like those men and ladies of great faith of Scripture that call us to believe upon you And so, Lord, I pray today that every single person in this room can come to that place of saying, I want that type of faith. I want to have a faith that moves in word, deed, and action. It starts with having a personal relationship with Jesus. That's where our faith begins. That is the seed of faith that gets planted inside of us. And if you're here today with all eyes closed, if you're watching online and you've never given your life to Christ before, then let today be that day where you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I believe in you. I believe what you did on that cross. Be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. Give me that faith I need. See, I believe with those words. A seed of faith is planted inside of you. But it's what you do with that seed. Lord, water our seeds. 
help them grow, help the faith seeds that are inside of us grow so that we can see many major and uh, help us to see amazing things done by you, Lord. Not because we deserve them, but because you are faithful to us and we want to be faithful to you. Help that fruit of the spirit of faithfulness grow inside of us today. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you and we praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Crazy. Crazy. 
Yes, it's a short trip, Paul. Uh, But I believe in this congregation of people that we have in this room and people watching online that we can change the world. I believe that our communities and our neighborhoods we live in will never be the same if we would just have a mustard seed of faith and that we would move in action out of that mustard seed of faith. Again, you can call me crazy if you want, but I know it's true. We just have to believe in the God. We have to have faith in the God who is faithful to us and calls us to be faithful to him. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for just who you are. In the midst of the world we live in today, sometimes it's hard for us to not have faith in ourselves and have faith in things that we shouldn't. And instead we misplace our faith that should be going to you in something else. And so Lord, I pray today as we leave this room, help us to grow that mustard seed of faith inside of us so that we can see the world changed, so that we can see your kingdom grow, not for our own benefit, Father, but so that we can see your kingdom accomplished here on this world and on this earth. Send us forth today, Father, to do your work, to do what you have called us to do. We glorify you, Father. We honor you and praise you now. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, we ask these things. Amen and amen. God bless you all.